Hello, and welcome to a special edition of our show, Herstory on the Rocks, with Katie and Allie. So normally we'd be hanging out, just the two of us. We'd have some drinks, maybe a bonus wine or bonus beer. <laughs> we'd talk about famous women in history, but sometimes we like to interview women who are currently making history. Today we have a special guest here with us, Moxie Labouche. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, we're really excited to talk to you because, mm-hmm. man, do we like your podcast. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. So Moxie is an author, a podcaster, and a fountain of random information. <laughs> and we've invited her yeah, onto our show to talk with us today. So hi, Moxie. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I am the host of Your Brain on Facts, your weekly half hour of things you never knew you never knew, as well as a former goat farmer and burlesque dancer. And yes, some of that was at the same time. <laughs> and those I schedules do not work at all. Yeah. They're not compatible. <laughs> I, um, I, was, I wrote on the bottom of this page that you could be replaced with the Dos Equis beer guy yeah. for the most interesting person in the world. <laughs> Especially if you hear me talk about myself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started, we're going to introduce you to your cocktail, which is what it's a take on the Brainiac, which is an already popular cocktail, but it's called Moxie's Brain on Facts. And it is one ounce of rye whiskey, one ounce of Aperol, one ounce of maraschino liqueur and grapefruit bitters. So what is, what is Aperol? I'm not familiar with that. Um, so it's kind of like an Italian aperitivo, um, and they use it to make, um, like Aperol spritzes. It's kind of just like a sweet Italian, like dessert liqueur. It's really good. And it's very refreshing. Like most people just put it in, um, Prosecco or something like that. Um, so it's really good. I, I actually bought a bottle a while ago and I use it frequently. So, <laughs> and it's like bright red. Yes. <laughs> bright, bright, yeah. I'll check that out. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, I, I'm actually almost, my hair color is almost the same as the color of the cocktail. So oh that gosh. worked out really well. This is perfect. <laughs> So if we figured we'd talk about your podcast first, because that's how we got to know you. As you just said, you do the half hour weekly show, Your Brain on Facts. So can you tell us a little bit about where you got that idea from, how you got it started? Well, I have always had copious bonus facts in my head. I have always loved, loved learning, especially learning those strange off to the side kind of things. Because uh, when I was little, I was a TV addict of the first order. I don't mm-hmm. know why. I qualify that as being little. I'm still a huge TV. Yeah. <laughs> but, so that would be my punishment. It would be no TV. But mm. my my parents made an exception for the news and educational programming. Mm. So that solidified my love of learning. But when you have all of these little facts, it's almost impossible to keep them restrained. Mm. And you know, I, when I worked at the grocery store, I'd be ringing up customers, and they don't necessarily have the time to hear that. Avocado pits are huge because the seeds used to be redistributed by a prehistoric ground sloth. They would just like me to ring up the avocado and let them leave. (laughs) (laughs) So after my husband got me into listening to podcasts, when he finally pinned me down and got me to sit still long enough, um, I thought, well, hey, I could make one of these. You know, I've I've got some, I've got a mic. I can I can do that, right? It's it must be easy. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. not easy. Yeah. Um, It is not easy. And I thought that that would be a safe way to kind of hit the release, the relief valve on some of those facts. Mm. The problem is that writing a seven page script each week and doing the research for that just puts more stuff in my brains. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The real complicating issue being that I was struck by lightning about a decade ago. So some of the files are 404. 
Oh no. Wait. How about you struck by lightning? Yeah, can you tell us that story for like, yeah. let's <laughs> dig deep here. Yeah. I don't want to bury the lead. Um, <laughs> so when I was a goat farmer, I used to raise dairy goats and make goat milk soap and skincare products. Uh, it was a, a balmy summer day and all of the rain that had been threatening all day decided to come at once, complete with thunder and lightning. And I had my hand on the fence has, you know, yelling at one of the goats to come out so I could milk her. And she's like, no, you turn off sky water and then I will come out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I heard this, this cracked, like the loudest thing I ever heard it sounded like it was three feet above my head. And as I was falling into the mud, I had three distinct thoughts in an instant, stupid electric fence. I haven't had the electric fence on in a month. I think I've just been struck by lightning. And what had happened was a bolt of lightning had hit the house. So I thankfully didn't get a direct strike, but it lit the house on fire and then dissipated out through the mud to where I was standing with my hand on the fence. And for about three weeks afterwards, I couldn't do arithmetic in my head. I couldn't even do basic addition. And my, my logic center was definitely offline. Cause like I had to move my soap business into the apartment I was going to be in for the next four months while they fixed the house. And I had the workshop full of stuff and the empty U-Haul. And I just kept looking back and forth. And I didn't know what was supposed to happen next. And to one of my helpers, like, so move the boxes. I'm like, yes, yes, do that. Move the boxes into the truck. Yes, that sounds good. That wasn't even, and that wasn't even my first fire either. Oh my gosh, that is. (laughs) I'm already like blown away by your life. That is one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. Um, So you mentioned that you were like quite a TV addict. Did you have a favorite show as a kid? And do you have one now? Do we want to confine that to the educational type programming? Any uh, type of programming. (laughs) (laughs) You can even do like top three favorite. (laughs) Oh, Silverhawks. Silverhawks, which for those who don't know, it was uh, a less successful property from the same studio that made Thundercats. Uh And it, that that was my jam. Uh, Bluegrass in the intro, there's a little guitar solo. That's why I got a guitar. That's why why I wanted to play guitar. I think Silverhawks is the best. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't hold up but you go back and watch it, you're like oh my god this is so cheesy kids are so yeah. stupid <laughs> true that's what it but that's why it's just so brilliant right now i am re-watching avatar the last airbender as mm. we all should be or watching Us it for too. the first time Us as too, i know yeah. many people are yeah which i mean that is just the perfect show they did everything right the writing the casting the world building the direction everything was just right oh mm. magical female characters too if Oh yeah, and and strong female characters oh, without yeah. having first been traumatized. Right. Because a lot of times there is that, oh, she's out for revenge. That's why she's a strong female. No, they're just strong because they're strong. Yeah, Ooh. my daughters love it. I haven't seen it, but I do remember my Bible teacher in high school making us watch it when he didn't want to teach. Um, <laughs> and don't get mistaken, we live in a town where you can only go to private school. Yeah, <laughs> it's wild. But and that actually brings me. Um, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Where are you now? Um, what's what's your life like? Well, I am in uh, Richmond, Virginia, and I have been for the last for. You know what? I'm not going to say how many years, but I'll just say yeah. three quarters of my life I've been yeah. in Richmond, Virginia. And uh, stuff's going down around yeah. here this week because mm-hmm. um, sure. we're, we're finally, finally, finally taking all of the Confederate generals down. Mm. Um, and the mayor has had to ask people, please stop ripping them down after someone got hurt. They're like, just wait oh for the gosh. contractor. Right, just like, we'll take care of it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting there, please. I, I have a, I've got to take bids and do paperwork. Um, and on Tuesday, uh, a statue of Christopher Columbus got thrown mm. in a lake. Yeah. 
saw that. that photo <laughs> with the Southern statues. Talk about the biggest acceptor of uh, participation trophies. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like- well, well, the pictures you see of Richmond and the Confederate statues are on Monument Avenue. It's this, this big, beautiful, like houses are really expensive. It's all flowering trees all up the center median. And then every other block or every third block is one of these giant Confederate statues. Uh, and I refer to Monument Avenue as our second place trophy case. Yeah. <laughs> Though now I'm going to have to come up with something else, something else witty. Uh, right. A lot of people, once it, once it was announced that the Lee statue was coming down, a lot of people were, were voting for uh, Odorous Arungus, the lead singer slash lead character from Guar, since Guar is from Richmond. They're like, I like the sentiment, guys, but I don't think that, I don't think this petition is going to go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what are some of the coolest facts that you have found out in the research of your show or that you already knew going into your podcast show that you really wanted to share? Well, one of my favorites, this is the one that I will shoehorn into every conversation, <laughs> is the second longest place name in any English-speaking country is the Welsh village of Santo Silio Gogogo. It is 58 letters long. There are four L's in a row because it's friggin' Welsh. <laughs> yes, that t- it did take practice. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> It also doesn't sound Welsh to me, but I also like, it doesn't sound like it would be from that area, but maybe I just have never heard Welsh. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, even for one of the Gaelic derived languages, Welsh is pretty, pretty crazy. And of course, I'm sure I have an atrocious accent and I'm not yes. saying it correctly, you know? Yeah. Oh, that happens to us all the uh, time. That's one of the best things about this show is nothing's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got to the general vicinity of it. You yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, that's one of the, my favorite things I like to say about our show. It's like, if you're going to a cocktail party and you want something just like fun to spit off about, you know, just some famous person in history like Hedy Lamar, you know, this is the show for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and people will say to me, oh, you must have, it must be easy for you at cocktail parties having all your facts. I'm like, uh, no, if I'm at a party, I am desperately searching for house pets. Yeah. <laughs> Where's your cat? (laughs) And if I have to go to a party of someone I don't know all that well and they don't have any pets, oh my God, please get me out of there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, when you were developing the process, did you have someone that you know do the cover art? Did you design it yourself? That was me. Oh, that's great. Beautiful. And do you do the production too with the music? Yeah, soup to nuts, the whole whole thing. Now, the music actually came from uh, Kevin McLeod who okay. it produces a lot of um, royalty-free music. So anyone who's listening who needs royalty-free music for anything, especially if you're a Twitch streamer, because Twitch is cr- having mm. to crack down hard, uh, his website is incompetech.com. And mm. he has everything from like silent movie stuff to, to heavy metal. Everybody should check him out. But yeah, I do the, I, the right research, record, edit, all the social media. I really wish I could outsource some of it, but yeah, <laughs> that's really great. Um, but hopefully with your book, you just turned your show into a book. Yes. Like that's yes. a, hopefully that's, when's it coming out? It comes out on June the 16th. So right about probably now when people are listening to it yeah. and it, yeah. it's super exciting now to have it in papery form. I got my, my box of advanced copies. I would show you one, but my fattest cat is asleep on the box right now. <laughs> um, and, and just actually hold it in my hand after working on it for so, so long because um, I started working on it last spring 
because mm-hmm. they were originally shooting for a like, pre-Christmas release and then they pushed it back to this summer without initially mentioning it to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, got to hurry, got to hurry. And they're like, oh, it'll be next June. <laughs> what was that deadline you gave me? Yeah. <laughs> I stayed up all night. Oh, it's mm-hmm. bullshit right there. Mm-hmm. Now, how but, is no, the book um, laid out? It's very similar to the the podcast where it is one overall topic, say in the chapter, and then the different subtopics, and there are bonus facts sprinkled throughout. So uh, the first chapter is science. Uh, so I've got the section on animals. One is about the different scientific names that some animals have been given, some of which are puns and celebrity names <laughs> and things like that. Uh, and then truly, truly bizarre animal mating mechanisms. Just like I was researching this. I'm like, the hell? (laughs) Nature, you crazy. Yeah. You know, but my favorite of which is the, uh, the spotted hyena. Are you familiar with the spotted hyena? No, no. All right. I will try to say this in, in gentle terms. Oh, we don't, you don't have to be gentle on this. Okay, good. (laughs) So the spotted hyena, the females have a clitoris that is larger than some of the males penises. Huh. Yeah. It's called a pseudo penis. They even have what looks like a scrotum and testicles to the point where researchers have difficulty telling the gender of an anesthetized hyena that they're looking right at. But here's where it gets really metal. So not only does the male have to get his actual penis inside the pseudo penis from behind, that's also her birth canal because it's not like a human clitoris. It's a, it's a a really different structure, but it's also her vagina. So she has to give birth through this pseudo penis. And it's basically like trying to, to squeeze an orange down a fire hose. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) That's insane. Oh yeah. Hyena, spotted hyenas are pretty metal. That's wild. Uh, I actually, my fiance and I went to um, an event called Sex at the Zoo a couple of months ago, and I was very excited to get all these fun facts about animal lovemaking, and that one did not come up, and now I'm disappointed <laughs> at the zoo. <laughs> yeah, and the spotted hyenas are the ones we call laughing hyenas, so next time you're watching Lion King, just bear we'll in be mind Goldberg. what I said. I was going to say, I feel like there's a spotted hyena in Lady and the Tramp, too. It's what? making fun of the beaver. No, there's mm. no, is there? Well, yeah. that's just the full of store? subtext right there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> really, really is. <laughs> now, do you have any other um, podcasts or book projects that you're working on right now? Uh, not, not presently. I had had a kid's science show very briefly, Science with Savannah, age seven with my niece. Um, I failed to underestimate both the workload of doing a podcast and a YouTube channel, which is what we were mm-hmm. trying to do. And also the extraordinary difficulty of keeping a child with ADD on task when <laughs> I have ADD. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So that uh, pod faded, as we say in the industry. Only got three episodes finished on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've recorded a couple with um, Allie's children, and it is exhausting just getting them for one episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she, when we were doing the video part of it, she loves when YouTubers do that to do a transition oh, to, to push their... Yeah reach their hand toward the camera mm-hmm. and she would just every time I I just say cut we have to do it again she would do that I'm like could you quit that please <laughs> <laughs> we are we're not doing that kind of show <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> okay so one of the coolest things 
that we saw on when you first reached out to us uh, on your website was that you used to perform burlesque, but specifically nerdlesque. Can you define that for our listeners? Because that's a really like niche thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nerdlesque is a portmanteau of nerd and burlesque. And burlesque means to twist. And you can put a twist on anything. And when you start doing burlesque, your brain will convert everything you see into a routine. <laughs> so right out of the gate, I was doing like my, my debut routine was a mashup of Star Wars, Star Trek, and the fifth element. That um, is a lot. <laughs> yeah. it, it is very fun. And then when our household got into uh, Game of Thrones, because my husband is, um, well, I've retired from dancing. He has just been on hiatus. And then the whole world went on hiatus. Yeah. Um, and he performs under the name Dante the Inferno. And of course, <laughs> once we started watching Game of Thrones, it's like, okay, well, definitely we're doing a Game of Thrones show. And I, I produced them as well. So like, I'll put it on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And one of the performers from my show was performing at a con and George R. R. Martin was there to do a panel. And he saw the show and he asked to talk to her afterwards. She did her, her Melisandre, her Red Woman routine. And she told him all about our show because we did a little small regional tour with it. And he gave us his official blessing and invited us out to his theater in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So we got to to do our Game of Thrones show for the man himself. That is so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even believe it. It's like everyone's dream to, you know, dedicate this thing to this person and then have them not only bless it, but then invite you out to do it. I mean, what was that experience like going out there? I mean, was it just for him or did other people come out to see it? Oh, I mean, we would have done it if it was just him. Yeah. Um, but he's basically like the king of, of Santa Fe, New Mexico. And he, there was this little Art Deco single screen, 100 seat movie theater that had fallen into disrepair and was going to be demolished. And he bought it and had it refurbished. And he has a little uh, tinted glass booth in the back because every time people see him, he gets mobbed. So that right. way he can watch the movies or, or whatever um, without being disturbed. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is a movie theater. So we had about three feet of emergency walkway on the front in which to do our routines so floor work got completely lost like anytime yeah. anytime you were below the front row seats nobody could see but um we love a challenge <laughs> you know but but it was a matter of uh so we toured our way out there and then toured our way back uh me and dante and six other people in a van for three weeks and yeah, I was talking to somebody before we left and she's like, oh, I bet you'll be such good friends by the end. I'm like, lady, I'll be lucky if I'm not divorced by the end of this. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And Dante did a routine as George R.R. R. Martin <gasps> in front of George R.R. R. Martin. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which he That's said was excellent. the most nerve wracking experience of his life. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Thankfully, no, Mr. Martin liked it. And he's just, he's just a nice kind of shy older guy. That's cool. Now, is Game of Thrones your favorite fandom, or do you have like another one that you cling well, to? Well, I mean, it was before we got to season eight. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that. Poisoned the well. You know. <laughs> um, I get, I get like fully invested in whatever my current thing is. So when it was Game of Thrones, I ate, slept, and breathed Game of Thrones, and you know, now it's all about. Oh, isn't Avatar so great? Yeah. <laughs> Now, did you have um, a particular character from Game of Thrones that you would do, or were you just producing mm-hmm. this project? Uh, I, I was also performing in it, and we did uh, three years of it. So year one, I was the mountain, 
mm-hmm. because I'm the smallest person on cast. Uh-huh. And I made this, this doll of Oberyn Martell, the little spear, and <laughs> a hollow head that I would put a raspberry jelly donut in mm. and that would crush his head. Crush your head. <laughs> uh, year two, I was Lady Stoneheart, who is Catelyn Stark's avenging spirit, though she wasn't in the show. Mm-hmm. And then year three, what I'm most proud of the best routine I ever built was um, mine and my husband's Jamie and Cersei routine, which we have done literally 50 times. And I would have done 50 more because it was the best thing I ever built. And if you want, I've got got video of it. I can send it to you later. Oh yeah. We would love that because I did watch your sizzle reel earlier um, on your website and it was very impressive, very fussy. I just, I, I love burlax because it's true. It is just a lot of twisting and your movements are so interesting. So what is the process of you building up a specifically nerdlesque routine? And can you take us through one of them? Yeah. A nerdlesque routine has an extra level of difficulty to it. I mean, now for burlesque in general, if you've had dance lessons or if you were a theater kid, you've already got a real leg up on, on folks mm-hmm. like me. Cause you can, you can tell when you're watching a burlesque show and everybody should once they reopen. Um, you can tell who's been taking ballet lessons since they were three. Mm. With nerdlesque, you have to hit this tricky little sliver on the Venn diagram where the references that you're making will delight the hardcore fans, but not be lost on or confuse people who aren't familiar with the property. Mm-hmm. Because if you make a routine that is, is all like deep cuts it's going to thrill the two people in the audience who are right. as deep into the property as you are, which is exactly. a mistake I, I made. I did a, we did an all fantasy show, fantasy being the fantasy genre. And I did the last unicorn. <gasps> and I, I know very well other that movie. People rem- <laughs> Where were you? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I thought other people remembered that movie as well as I did. And Wait, who were you from the last didn't. unicorn? Because I'm to- so extra, uh, I came out as Schmendrick and, and did some, some little oh tricks and then went behind a screen and transformed into the Red Bull. And then under that, I was uh, Lady Amalfia. I'm so sad that I didn't get to see this because that movie gave me nightmares for my whole childhood and I loved it. <laughs> the, the Red Bull was intense. Yes. The 80s kids movies were, were scary. Just Very in weird. They were. Yeah. Well, that routine, unfortunately, did not go to plan. Uh, so there is no video of that. I, we, we, will not, we will not speak of it further. But no, because like <laughs> parts of the costume were falling off too oh. early. Other parts wouldn't come off. I couldn't get one of my Red Bull legs off. And I'm already behind in my music. So I'm supposed to be fully Lady Amalfia. And I still have mm-hmm. this one leg with a, like the, the shoe and the leg were connected. So I've got like this disarticulated foot that I'm dragging. Oh, no. You know? And I'm, and at the, the routine is supposed to end with the mostly nude Lady Amalthea putting on Schmendrick's cloak and walking with quiet dignity off the stage, dragging this disarticulated foot. Yeah. <laughs> the worst. Yeah. The worst performance I ever had. Well, I mean, I think I would have enjoyed it just so you know, because I, I totally get those references. The two people, the two people who got it were thrilled. Yeah. Everybody else was like, is this art or yeah. like, what am I looking at here? Right. Um, so, I mean, how long have you been doing burlesque? Did you move into nerdlesque near the end of your career? Um, how long had you been doing this? 
I did it for, for seven years from uh, 2012 to 2019. And I was nerdlesque from my debut. Oh, great. My, my very first uh, time building my own routine was the Star Trek, Star Wars and Fifth Element one. Mm. Because I am bred to the bone nerd. My dad yeah. was an old school <laughs> sci-fi nerd. He had the entire original Star Trek on tape, commercial free. And then he taped over some of it with Shogun and I've never forgiven him. <laughs> you know? How'd you like, get into that line of work? Oh, I wish it was work. You spend, you spend more than you make in most of us. So it's know. like a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, really is. It's a beautiful hobby and hopefully you can get enough money coming in to perpetuate the hobby. Mm. Um, I reconnected with a friend of mine from high school and he said, I, you know, I, I do the, sh- the posters for the burlesque show in town and I get tickets. Do you want to go? As at first I was like, burlesque is a thing? <laughs> I thought it went out in like the 1950s when, right. you know, after Gypsy Rose Lee and that kind of stuff. I didn't know people had started doing it again. And I went there and a performer named Kiki Von Kitsch did a number two Menomina mm. <laughs> as a big furry pink Muppet with googly eye pasties with big eyelashes and her fuzzy pink G-string she reveals at the end is a mouth and she sings along to the end of the song. <laughs> and I was looking up at the stage saying, burlesque is the best thing ever to do this. (laughs) And I would later actually, after she had retired, recreate that routine because that was what got me into doing burlesque. I did that for one of our our Jim Henson tribute shows. Yeah, I saw that in the sizzle room. I was like, what is going on here? Because it looks very fun. (laughs) (laughs) It it is. And that's the thing about burlesque is the shows are just so much fun. It Mm -hmm. makes a great girls night out. And the audiences, at least in this region, are usually about two-thirds female because it's about the entertainment and the empowerment far more than it is about excitement. Mm, And no shade on club strippers at all because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of crossover there, Um, but it's just a a different animal. For Mm -hmm. one thing, they'll spend $50 on a dress to make $500 a night. Um, We spend $500 on a dress to make $50 a night. (laughs) (laughs) So who's the smarter of the two? It's not the burlesque dancers. (laughs) Because we do have a few shows in Baltimore and I've been to, um, we have a Dr. Sketchy's show then yeah. they like do their dance and then they pose and then everyone in the audience can like draw them, which I think is such a great intro to it because you kind of realize there's so much more to it. So and much art involved. Yeah, it really is. And it's just, it's really fun, especially like, you know, the um, person I went to see, she had like a big like shark floaty that she was posing with. And, and you realize that the woman is in control or man doing it like the entire time. And that's what makes it feel so fun and good because they look like they're having just as good of a time. <laughs> yeah, it is exactly that. If I had realized or remembered you were in Baltimore, I would have already been making recommendations of shows to see and performers oh, really? to check out, you know, cause I'm, I'm in Richmond. So mm-hmm. I've played, I've played DC and Baltimore. I love the auto bar in Baltimore. Yes, of course. And we were Great only place. the second burlesque show to ever sell out the auto bar. Really? And the first was the suicide girls and they have like a million dollar advertising budget. Right. So, <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned, we were the only burlesque show to sell out of the auto bar. Yeah, you won, you won that yeah. competition. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to tell you something that you probably don't know, having uh, been a patron of it, but not a performer. There are two rooms upstairs that are the dressing rooms. And one of the rooms is covered floor to ceiling and the ceiling with drawings of dicks. <gasps> really? All dicks. Great. And some of them are very clever. There's like a boner fet, a little Boba <laughs> Fett helmet on it. Um, and some of them are amazingly artistic. There, there is a winged 
dragon-tailed, five-foot-long penis on the ceiling that has like chiaroscura shading. And it's just like, wow, that took some doing. And it started with the idea that if you can't draw a crowd, draw a dick. <laughs> so we, we have left a few. We, we left a, a particular drawing uh, that says winter is coming. Oh my gosh, oh, that's, that's so good. <laughs> I didn't know that. I feel like, again, fun facts about our town that we don't know. <laughs> well, you've got to go upstairs at the auto bar and not everybody's yeah. allowed up there. And yeah, then they true. painted over it. <gasps> no. Yeah, super mad. Well, that's really Because we, we got there, we're like, oh, let's go see what new dicks are up there. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> green walls. Of, like, it, it was, it was a, a greater tragedy my eyes had not beheld. <laughs> that's really depressing. <laughs> Now, do you have any advice for some up-and-coming burlesque dancers? Don't think that you have to be building new routines constantly. Because when Mm. you first start out, you might have the impression, I don't want to do the same routine twice. I want to show them something new every time. If you don't practice that routine, if you don't take the boat out in the open ocean, you will never know if you're doing it right. So build, build a stable of like six routines that, that you do take out multiple times and get better because it never works the same way on stage as it did in your living room. Mm-hmm. Costume that stayed on just fine when you're just, you know, faffing about to your, to your Walkman. Oh, that's how old I am. Um, <laughs> you know, once you get on stage and you're doing your big full range of motion and then, then the costume just pops right off ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And, and also practice in the shoes you're going to perform in and perform in the shoes you practiced in. I have seen, I have have seen a lot of people land on their ass in very pretty shoes that are brand new and slippery and down they go. Oof. (laughs) Not fun. That's embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. It really is, but you just got to, you just got to play it off. So then maybe you just roll over real quick and put your hands under your chin and wave your feet for a second and look coy and Get up and pretend that didn't hurt. There you go. <laughs> Great advice. Pretend yeah. it didn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Life advice. advice. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just general advice. Yeah. <laughs> just keep moving and keep smiling. Well, it was such a blast to talk to you. Yeah. This has been so cool. You have so, like, like I said, when, when you contacted us and we kind of really dug deep into your show, we were like, this girl, yeah. she's wild. Just a fountain of facts, um, not only about other people, but just about yourself. So. <laughs> Well, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about myself because I think that is, admit it, most people's favorite topic. Yeah, <laughs> it really so is. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any, before we go, any like famous women from history that you think that you love or that you think they have cool facts about or that our listeners should dig deeper into? Right now would be a good time to educate yourself about Henrietta Lacks. Yeah, She is a woman from whom cells were extracted that have continued to live in the laboratory decades later to the astonishment and bewilderment of science, but have been hugely, hugely important in developing um, vaccines and medicines. And the sample was taken without her knowledge or consent and her family has been screwed over on it because she is Mm African-American and female. And if there's one type of person you don't want to be while under a doctor's care, it is an African-American female. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a great so, recommendation. Yeah, so definitely, definitely read up on Henrietta Lacks. Um, I was suggesting that uh, we might replace the Lee statue with the Lovings. Uh, Loving versus Virginia was the court yeah, case perfect. that made uh, interracial marriage legal. Though the Lovings have the Loving family has said that they don't want that, so mm-hmm. we have to let that idea go. But maybe yeah. we'll make we'll put a little plaque or yeah. something. <laughs> 
Well, that's a great recommendation. Thank you. And also, yeah, I just, there are so many other amazing people to put statues up of. I don't understand why we're clinging to the past, but Mm -mm. I don't know. Well, clinging to a problematic past. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much again. Where can people find you online? Where can people find your book when it comes out? Well, as soon as you finished listening to the entire back catalog of her story yeah. on the rocks, <laughs> you can look on that same app by searching for Your Brain on Facts. You can go to yourbrainonfacts.com uh, on Facebook and Instagram. It is at Your Brain on Facts. On Twitter, it is Brain on Facts Pod because God forbid Twitter give us enough letters. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> One short. Yeah, sure. <laughs> in terms of getting uh, the papery version of my podcast, I highly, highly recommend that you contact your local bookseller from a safe distance and see if they're going to be carrying it. Failing that, you can order from bookshop.org, which is like a central clearinghouse for indie bookstores. Uh, and then, of course, there's always Amazon. If you go to your brain on facts slash book, it ports you over to Amazon. Uh, I should probably fix that. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's a buck fifty cheaper on bookshops. That's a great, you know, cool that's against, now. that's against my own self-interest to tell you that, but yeah, <laughs> get it off a bookshop. Perfect. Well, thank you again for coming on. You are even more interesting than we <laughs> you would be coming on. So this is great. You're so fun. Um, and please, next time there's a burlesque show in Baltimore, come up and we'll all go and it'll be great. That would be good. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to just sit in the audience for a yes. change. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you again, everybody. Go listen to Brain on Facts, buy the book, support Moxie. It's going to be great. It is going to be great. And you heard it here first. Pretend it doesn't hurt. Exactly. (laughs) 